Hello, you're listening to Earth Matters, produced in the studios of 3CR Radio in Fitzroy, Victoria, and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. We're bringing you environmental and social justice stories. I'm Michaela Stubbs. Despite state and federal government's unashamed support for digging up coal at any cost, this week an important piece of public litigation has brought Indian company Adani's plans to construct the largest coal mine in the land to a halt. The proposed Carmichael mine would cover more than 200 square kilometres of beautiful, culturally and environmentally significant country. It is Wangan and Jagalingu lands, otherwise known as the Galilee Basin in Queensland. The mine will be connected by railway to what would become one of the largest coal terminals in the world, right in the fragile ecosystem of the Great Barrier Reef. It is estimated the project would contribute 130 million tonnes of carbon each year to global warming and would require an incredible 12 billion litres of water a year which could dry up the ancient springs and drain sections of the basin, not to mention contaminating the groundwater. Threatening to be a destructive industrial project of epic proportions, it has generated a huge response from a wide range of interest groups. The proposal has also been the centre of an international divestment campaign, which we'll hear a bit more about later in the show. There are several court cases surrounding the project, Traditional owners, the Wangan and Jagalingu people, who have refused to sign a land use agreement that would allow the mine to proceed, have a claim before the federal court alleging Adani misled their people. The Native Title Tribunal and the State of Queensland are also listed as defendants for failing to properly follow process. Land services of coast and country, represented by the Environmental Defenders Office of Queensland, have lodged an objection to the proposal in a land court and are seeking a clear recommendation that the mine should not proceed due to climate, ecological and economic impacts. In July, reef defenders led by Andy Carroll Pryor, a Jura traditional owner from the Abbott Point area, delivered Adani pledges from over 2,000 Australians that they will take peaceful civil disobedience to halt the coal projects and the Abbott Point port expansion. There has been global outcry at the irreparable damage that will be caused to the World Heritage listed Great Barrier Reef and the global climate. But it was two lesser-known characters in this epic story that made headlines last week when a case initiated in January by the Conservation Group of Mackay challenging the legality of the Carmichael Mines' approval achieved success in the federal courts. The shy Yakka Skink and nocturnal ornamental snake were thrust into the spotlight as the Federal Environment Minister conceded that he had failed to take into account their protection under the Environmental Protection and Biodiversity Conservation Act in his consideration of the proposal. First up on the show, we're talking with Ellen Roberts, coordinator of the Mackay Conservation Group, about the successful court case that is forcing the project to be reassessed by the Environment Minister. Firstly, can you give me a little bit of an overview of the court case and how you were inspired to start working on the campaign from this angle? We initiated the court challenge in January this year, um, Originally, we just 
started with concerns about the way that Greg Hunt had approached climate change um, because the Carmichael mine would be the biggest mine in Australia and a huge contribution to greenhouse gases, um, you know, and also facilitating development of other mega mines out in western Queensland in the Galilee Basin. So um, we had specific issues there with climate change and then a couple of months later we added another ground about um, Adani's environmental record. They've got a poor history of um, their approach to looking after the environment in India, that they... Um, Adani's a well-established company in India that has a, a port um, at Mundra and there's been a number of violations in relation to that. So we felt like Greg Hunt had just not... but basically chosen to ignore that material before him. Um, and then finally, a couple of months ago, um, we added another ground in relation to conservation advice. And so that's advice from the um, Federal Department of Environment about threatened species. Um that the minister's required to take into account when making his decision. So um, that was the three aspects for our legal challenge, and it was the final one that, that we were successful on. Basically, in this kind of court case that we ran, you, you only need to win on one aspect. So the other two parts of our case are unresolved. So basically, we'll be looking closely to see what happens now, because the decision goes back to Greg Hunt for him to look at again, um, certainly if he takes the same approach on climate change that he did the first time round, that'll be a real worry for us. Is there there's still opportunity to pursue the other two aspects of the case? Um, no, our litigation's finished, so we mm-hmm. won the case. So um, well, certainly those issues remain outstanding for us in terms of our representations to the department about what they should do but mm. in a formal legal case sense um, the matter's been resolved um, so what would happen is Greg Hunt now has to make the his um, decision again on Carmichael and I think you know he's indicated strongly that he's just intending simply to reapprove the mine um, and so we would just look very closely at how he approaches those issues of climate change and environmental history and Mm. and look at what our options might be after that time that he makes that decision. So until then, we not, don't really have a, a position on it. But certainly we're saying that he needs to change his approach to those issues. And we're saying that if he follows Australia's environment laws and protects threatened species, groundwater and the global climate in the way that he's supposed to, he should reject the mine. Yeah. And, I mean, I guess it's been... I'm interested in your take on this whole... the media kind of storm around this issue because I mean it just seems ridiculous the response from the government and the media who just either trying to play it down or imply that there's kind of some misuse of funding to to pursue these issues in this way. I think it's disappointing but it's not unexpected. Yeah. Um, I mean I think you know, if we lost the court case, they wouldn't care what we were spending our money on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is, a, this, is a, this is a reaction to being successful. And, you know, I, you know, you, I can't expect one of the most powerful industry lobbies in Australia, the mining industry, that has, you know, effectively keeps both political parties in check with, <laughs> with wielding their big sticks. Um, you, can, you know, you can't really expect that they're going to let something like this go lightly. And, you know, in terms of our funding, this is part of a, a broader attack on environment groups 
from the Abbott government and we're seeing that in relation to inquiries into tax deductibility status, which we've certainly been targeted in the past around that stuff, not as harshly as other organisations like Friends of the Earth and others have been, but there's certainly a, a regressive agenda there that this is part of. But I think, you know, what's also disappointing is just how little respect and openness there is for um, public interest litigation in this country, you know, particularly in the environmental area. You know, I think that if we're to achieve environmental outcomes, we need to do a diverse number of activities. And personally, I think that prioritising organising and building community power is really important. But I do think that trying to strengthen the regulatory regime and using litigation in order to to do that and to get positive environmental outcomes should just simply be accepted as part of a functioning democracy. And certainly, like in other countries, you do have a much greater acceptance of public interest litigation and the role of courts in actually getting good outcomes, providing oversight of government decisions, you know, and being a force for progressive social change. I mean, your listeners might have heard of a positive decision in the Netherlands, for example, recently. Um, around climate change and the responsibility of governments to act on climate change, you know, where the court made a very strong and, and powerful decision. Um, and so I just think the fact that the government is completely unashamed, that they and coal, in, and coal companies and the mining industry should be above Australia's environment laws, um, you know, is really unfortunate. And what we've seen in previous situations, like in Walkworth in New South Wales, for example, where the court overturned a, a mine expansion on the basis that the, you know, it wasn't in the public interest for the mind to proceed, but the government simply changed the laws, and that's just accepted as, as, as part of life in Australia. So I think, yeah, that's very disappointing, I think, as well. Um, but I do, I do think that it's really the parties playing to the mining industry's tune rather than thinking about what the community actually wants. And I think that's on both counts. I think that's in relation to environment groups, and I also think that's in relation to public interest litigation and the need to have strong environment laws. The idea that at this point in, in, in time that environment groups would just sit by and let Australia's largest coal mine open up mm. um, without responding, I think, you know, it's just, that, that, was just, that was simply never going to happen. One of the strengths of this campaign against the Carmichael mine seems to be that there's so many different groups working in different ways. Um, it has been great to see, you know, um, so many groups getting involved, not just in Australia, but also internationally as well. I think the number of people who take an action on this campaign in relation to the Galilee Basin is now in the millions, including a lot of people internationally, just because of the global significance of it. Um, not just the global climate, but also the implications of the project for the Great Barrier Reef as well, which is, mm. you know, world heritage. It <laughs> belongs to the, to the world. It's been great to have so many different voices speaking out on this issue. And we're not just talking about environment groups, but obviously traditional owners, you know, financial analysis about the project. Yeah, there's, there's been a lot of different groups talking about it. It's, it's, um, it's, it's just, <laughs> as I say, it's crazy that we're talking about expanding fossil fuels at this particular point in history. This is Earth Matters, heard across the country on the Community Radio Network, and we were speaking with Ellen Roberts, coordinator of the Mackay Conservation Group. 
As she mentioned, public litigation for action on climate change has been successful in Holland, where a representative from Agenda and 900 co-plaintiffs argued that the state has a legal obligation to protect its citizens. On the 24th of June, they were successful in forcing the Dutch government to adopt more stringent climate policies and take more effective climate action to reduce the Netherlands' considerable share in global emissions. This is the first time that a judge has legally required a state to take precautions against climate change, and the verdict will provide support to many other climate cases around the world. Now, returning to look a little more closely at the detail of the court case involving Adani's Carmichael Coal Mine and Environment Minister Greg Hunt, is Sue Higginson, Principal Solicitor with the Environmental Defenders Office of New South Wales, a community legal centre that specialises in public interest and environmental law. Firstly, can I get you to uh, outline for our listeners how you put together the case and how it all played out? Sure. Well, EDO New South Wales acted for um, the Mackay Conservation Group, which is a local group that's been concerned for some time about the development of the Galley Base, in particular the Carmichael Mine. Um, and after the Commonwealth Government gave its uh, Commonwealth approval for the mine to go ahead, um, our client questioned the legality of that approval. And in doing so, that resulted in commencing proceedings in the Federal Court of Australia, making allegations that Greg Hunt, the Commonwealth Environment Minister at the time, had not fulfilled all of his legal requirements in approving the mine. Um, the case was commenced on a number of bases, um, and then ultimately um, the Minister has conceded defeat on one of those bases. So as a result, the... Um, the approval for the Carmichael mine by the Commonwealth Government has been set aside. So essentially there is no current approval now um, under the Commonwealth laws for the Adani Carmichael mine. Okay. And when you say they conceded that they got it wrong on one count, does that mean they haven't agreed that it's illegal on the other two? That's right. The other two bases of um, contention that our client raised are unresolved. And they're two matters, very important matters, that our client says goes also to the legality of the approval. And one is that our client says that it, the minister was required to take into account Adani's environmental history, um, both in Australia and overseas. And um, when we say environmental history, what that refers to is... It's compliance. So Adani's compliance legally in other countries with environmental requirements and the laws of the particular country. Um, and then the other ground, which was a very important ground, was our client alleged that the minister was required to take into account what's referred to as scope three emissions. So just to expand on that a little bit, what that means is that um, our client says when the minister was um, assessing this development application, he was required to assess what it would mean 
in terms of greenhouse gas emissions, when we look at the burning of the coal, whether that be in India, Australia, or wherever that coal was intended to be burned, um, and further to that, what that contribution of the burning of the coal to uh, global greenhouse gas emissions, what that means for the Great Barrier Reef, which is a matter front and square for the Commonwealth Minister to be concerned about. Mm, these scope three emissions and their global impacts, is that something that has recently been introduced that now needs to be included in, in such assessments? And yeah, are there other cases where this has been, uh, I guess, included and supported the uh, case against a project going ahead? Yeah, look, it, it, this was a very novel ground of challenge. Um, the minister and the current government position appears to be that there is no requirement for the government to take into account the scope three emissions, um, whereas our client and, and our legal argument involved reasoning to show that under the Environment Protection Biodiversity Conservation Act, which is our Commonwealth environmental law, why actually when that act is looked at in its full context, it was necessary in these circumstances because of the impacts that climate change is having on the Great Barrier Reef, um, that this was a, a matter that the Minister ought to have considered. Um, so it was what we would refer to as a novel um, ground of challenge. We haven't had that sort of argument in front of the Commonwealth or Federal Courts of Australia before. Um, and arguably, um, our client's contention really arose because of the scale and size of the proposed Carmichael mine and also the um, evidence before um, before the community at the moment um, as to just exactly what the Carmichael Mine's contribution will be to greenhouse gas emissions globally. Um, there has been an enormous amount of evidence put before the Queensland Land Court in a state-based challenge to the mine um, where independent experts have come forward and provided evidence to say that the contribution to greenhouse gas emissions from the proposed Carmichael mine are substantial, um, are measurable, um, and taking that one step further, are therefore likely to also impact upon the Great Barrier Reef. And under our Commonwealth laws, indirect impacts from projects and proposals are a matter for consideration. So that ground hasn't been explored before the court, but our client maintains that contention that it is an important matter. Mm, excellent. Well, it's all very interesting. And I, I think it's also interesting to see the response from the federal government. And certainly Mr Hunter said, oh, it's just an administrative error and we're going to correct that in some weeks. Do you think that they will be able to or where, where do you see the um, this case going from here? Yeah, look, it has been interesting. Um, there's been some controversy about both the Prime Minister's statements um, and the Environment Minister's statements 
there has been an error of law so substantial that it has invalidated the decision to approve the mine. Um, you know, that's not a mere technicality or a mere glitch. Um, that is a, a, a real live matter and a substantive matter. The New South Wales Bar Association has put out a statement um, in response to the Prime Minister's comments that, um, in his view, the courts have, or, or paraphrasing, in his view, the courts have been used to sabotage um, a, a mining proposal that really ought to go ahead. Um, the Bar Association came out, and, and again, paraphrasing, um, and has said, look, this just really reflects a deep misunderstanding of the courts, the role of communities in holding governments to account through the legal process, and the separation of powers. You know, the courts of Australia have reposited in them the powers to re review um, the exercise of administrative power, um, the exercise of power under our Commonwealth environmental laws to approve or refuse a project is the exercise of administrative power um, under the separation of powers and the very, very, that goes to the very heart of our democratic system says that the courts rightly can review decisions and if a decision is so legally flawed that it be set aside, um, that is a valid exercise of the court's powers and it's most certainly a valid exercise of communities or individuals in accessing the courts in order to highlight the need for governments and decision makers to make decisions in accordance with the law, not above the law, not outside the law, but in accordance with the law. This is Earth Matters across the land on the Community Radio Network. I'm Michaela Stubbs, and we were just hearing from Sue Higginson from the New South Wales Environmental Defender's Office. As she mentioned, the mine's approval is no longer valid and Minister Hunt will need to go back and reassess the project's proposal, this time taking the law into account. But even if he does approve the project again, which could prove difficult, the mine's financial viability is looking increasingly shaky as more financial institutions walk away from Adani this week. On August the 5th, Commonwealth Bank, who were the Australian financial advisor to Adani, have pulled out. They have been the focus of a long-running divestment campaign and many community members and grassroots groups have taken part in recent actions at their offices all over Australia. Spokespeople for the Wangan and Jagalingu nations, on whose country the miners proposed, have also travelled around the world to speak with institutions involved in financing the mine. Thirteen major financial institutions have pulled out and on the 11th of August, Standard Charter followed suit. Joining us now is Moira Williams from 350.org who is based in Mackay and has been working with frontline communities as part of the Galilee Basin campaign. So we've been working with communities across the country to, to pressure the big four banks and particularly the Commonwealth Bank, who um, was, you know, advising Adani on these projects. And it's fantastic to see them walk away from this project, recognising the community opposition to it. Um, the Point expansion was noted as one of the, you know, one of the most high-risk, controversial projects in the world. 
Um, and so it's not surprising that we're starting to see banks walk away from it. Mm. Mm. And can you just explain to me why Adani needs an Australian bank's involvement and, yeah, I guess, therefore, what sort of the significance of the Commonwealth Bank pulling out of this really means? Mm. Yeah, and so I think it's a huge um, undertaking to build, you know, one of the world's largest coal mines. So Adani were in a position where they had to raise $16 billion to do that and over the last um, three or four years since these projects have been conceived, the coal price has just dramatically dropped um, over 50%. And so there's always big questions about whether Adani, whether these projects were uh, going to continue to be financially viable in, this, in the current market. Um, and they needed to raise that finance. You know, typically they have, you know, for these large-scale projects, they can they look to you know the the high end banks um, and they are the big four generally so all our big four banks ANZ Westpac Commonwealth um, and NAB invest in coal and gas projects in Australia and and we think it's time that they should be looking to invest in the future and investing in renewable energy projects and starting to phase out their investments in in fossil fuels we've seen a huge divestment movement over the last 18 months with people starting to say, you know, enough's enough. I don't want my money as a customer of these big banks um, funding projects that will destroy local environment, our local air sheds and, and the global climate. You know, we had yesterday the common, you know, the federal government announcing really weak targets on climate and as we head into the Paris climate negotiations towards the end of this year, you know, Australia again will be under the spotlight for what they're doing on climate and sadly we've seen a a total lack of leadership and heading in the wrong direction from the federal government. Um, So there is is an opportunity for other institutions, uh, our banks, for example, to to really play a leadership role on climate. Um, You know, for a long time the business community has been looking for certainty around um, action on climate change and I think it's it, it'd be a really great step to see our major banks start to phase out fossil fuels and uh, act on climate change in the interests of their their customers and the future of you know the economy and the environment mm. and what are your thoughts about that that upcoming meeting in Paris because I know you know, in the past, they haven't been successful at achieving tough reductions. So, is there? Do you think that's going to change this year? Are we likely to see a better result? Uh, yeah, I mean, international negotiations are tricky to understand, and I think you know, since two thousand and nine, when you had the Copenhagen, um, you know, there was a lot of hope around the Copenhagen meeting, and um, that didn't quite come together. And so, I think it's always hard to know what exactly will come out of Paris but what we do know is that you know Australia is a, a massive laggard what we've seen recently is you know a huge steps from the you know climate deals between the US and China we're seeing China shift away from coal-fired um, power uh, largely in the interests of their own people you know the pollution over there is horrendous and it's and we know that coal pollution globally is, is killing people prematurely um, 
to a whole range of associated diseases with coal-fired or coal pollution. So we are seeing, you know, major shifts and, and, and China's, for that reason, investing heavily in renewable energy um, and Australia's being left behind. So I think for Australians and, you know, Paris is an opportunity to, to say that we don't stand behind Tony Abbott um, and his complete lack of leadership on climate change. We're actually going to call him out on it and, um, you know, as we look towards a federal election, really put put climate back on the agenda um, and say that Australia does want strong action on climate change. And so you've got um, some actions coming up. What sort of things are happening? Yeah, so, I mean, it was fantastic news to see Combank pull out of Adani's projects. And again, we saw another UK bank, um, Standard Chartered, pull out as well, recognising the huge public concern around the project. So that's 13 blanks globally that have now pulled out of Adani's project. We were planning to go ahead with some um, actions right across the country. We've got uh, dozens of actions and uh, communities taking action at Combank branches across the country, really just congratulating them on um, their their decision to pull away from this damaging project and now calling on uh, the other three major banks, NAB, ANZ and Westpac, to do the same and follow their lead. Um, and we and we also think it's you know a step in the right direction, but also there's a broader call there to to phase out fossil fuels and be climate leaders in the in the lead up to the the Paris negotiations. You've been listening to Earth Matters on the Community Radio Network with Michaela Stubbs. Today on the show, we heard from Ellen Roberts from the Mackay Conservation Group, and you can find out more about their work at. MackayConservationGroup.org.au Sue Higginson spoke to us from the New South Wales Environmental Defenders Office and you can find more information on their work at edonsw.org.au and Moira Williams from 350.org talked to us about their work in the Galilee Basin. You can find out more about the divestment campaign and their work at 350.org.au There are many ways to take action and with the climate meetings coming up in Paris in December, it will certainly be a time where people from all over the world will be mobilising to ensure their demands for strong and decisive action on reducing emissions as quickly as possible is heard. So with the end of call in our sights, it's a great time to get amongst it. Earth Matters would like to thank the Community Broadcasting Foundation for their generous financial support and the Community Radio Network for distributing this show around Australia. Earth Matters was produced in the studios of 3CR Radio in Fitzroy, Victoria. Our contact phone is 0394198377 and our email is earthmatters3cr at gmail.com. Today's podcast and others like it can be downloaded at earthmatters.org.au. That's all for today, but we'll be back again next week with more green news from all over our awesome planet. They say they're working 
for the battler They say it's the lucky country But they leave all the battling to others And sit on their high horses With their blinkers and lap up the luxury But what they gonna drink when the clouds stop raining How they gonna eat this poison they're creating? What they gonna do now? What they gonna drink when the clouds stop raining? How they gonna eat this poison they're creating? What they gonna do now? But now some people are raising up their voices. Speaking out for For the voiceless among us They're speaking out For our precious land And they're finding The chinks in the armor They're finding holes in the stories Yeah, they're speaking up loud They're gonna chant them Yes, they're gonna speak up loud and chant them down. What they're gonna do now? The times are changing. What they're gonna do? A new future we're creating. What they're gonna do now? The times are changing. What they're gonna do? What they're gonna do now? What they gonna do when When we people make a stand When we choose a new future This greedy party's come to its end Oh yeah, it's time to speak up loud It's time to chant them down Yeah, it's time to speak up loud And chant them down What they gonna do now The times are changing What they gonna do New future we're creating What they gonna do now The times are changing What they gonna do What they gonna do now So tell me what you're Choo!